Thanks for tuning in to the Meadowview Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a church who seeks to grow in Christ, gather in community, and go in obedience to the Great Commission. There is no other name under heaven in which we are saved by. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to uh, John chapter 13. And Pastor Jeff, thank you for this uh, opportunity. Um, It is truly a blessing and it's truly an honor to be able to stand up here. Uh, A year ago, I didn't know exactly where I would be. And so, kind of give you my testimony, the story of our family. Um, While you have your Bibles open to John 13, uh, just kind of entertain me for a little bit, because I'm going to tell you who we are, where we have come from, and where we are going. And so many of you know who I am. Um, If you don't know me, you probably know my family a little bit better than I. Uh, But uh, you also know me because... uh, a little over a year ago, I had a liver transplant. And you may wonder, what exactly is our story? And how did we end up here at Meadowview Baptist Church? And why did I need a liver transplant? And better yet, why in the world are you going to Nebraska? <laughs> All right. It's like, didn't you watch the weather just a few weeks ago? It was like negative 26 degrees for a low and didn't even get above zero for a high. I mean, it was cold. Well, here's the scoop. Um, ever since I was like 23 years old, I've been in part-time ministry. And back in 2017, the church that we were at called Life Spring Baptist Church, we closed the door on that church for one last time. Literally, we closed the door. The church had decided to go ahead and dissolve and hand the property and the building over to the Hispanic church uh, that was meeting there. The Spanish church began meeting at our church probably about three years prior to that, and their ministry was flourishing. It was doing an awesome job. And while having a full-time job at Memorial Hospital, I served part-time for about 10 years as the family and children's pastor there at LifeSpring Baptist Church. But just like any church, LifeSpring saw highs and saw lows. And this was actually one of the lows. The church slowly finalized the handing over of the property. And as that happened, I served as the interim pastor there at LifeSpring Baptist Church. It was not a mistake that we were there. It was exactly the place God wanted us to be. After several months of visiting churches, my wife suggested, let's go to Meadowview. And so starting... In 2018, we came to Meadowview Baptist Church. And we did know a few people who came here, but one particular person we knew was Lisa Batten. I got to know Lisa through a program called Grief Share. And it was a program that our church, LifeSpring, at the time had, had hosted. And I got to know uh, Lisa from there. After the service that morning when we came to Meadowview, I kind of looked at my wife and I said, this is our church. This is where we're going to go. My wife agreed. We had peace about it. This is where we were going to come. This was our church home now. We had no intentions of, uh, of coming and, 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 and staying for a long time. Uh, I had sent resumes out to uh, different churches for a full-time pastorate. 
And so we thought maybe in our minds, maybe six, eight months, we would be here. And even though we did not expect to stay long, we did expect to stay involved. Why? Because church matters. We left a church in which we were actively involved in, and we did not want to lose that. But little did we know, God had us exactly where he wanted us. The reason did not involve full-time ministry. The reason was not so we could be involved here at Meadowview Baptist Church. The reason we came to Meadowview was for us to be loved by a strong church family. God had us here to be served and not for us to serve. God knew where we needed to be. Shortly after we joined, my health began to spiral downward. I was consistently coming home from work more tired and more worn out. And there were days I would come home and I would just go to bed because that's how tired I was. We suspected that my liver condition was finally catching up with me. And after a a few doctor visits, we found ourselves in early 2019 heading to UAB Medical seeking to be put on the transplant list. Well, what was wrong with my liver? You think, I'm young, I'm, I'm 41, 40 at the time. I'm young. Well, I'm not an alcoholic. I didn't abuse drugs, okay? Uh, I didn't have hepatitis. So I'm, I'm just telling all these things because a lot of times when people think you have liver conditions, you think of those things right there. No, I have an immune problem. My immune system was slowly attacking my liver. That's kind of the easiest way to explain it. If you want the more technical details... What it does is it causes inflammation in the liver. It scars those bile ducts that's in the liver. It keeps the waste that your body's trying to get out from getting out. It slowly destroys the liver tissue, which causes cirrhosis, which eventually leads to liver failure. And that's why I needed a liver transplant. The immediate fix for me was that transplant. There is no cure. So actually, I could have the same problem happen again in you know, five, ten years. Hopefully not. Maybe I'll go the rest of my life. It won't have to happen again. But I may end up having to have another liver transplant. It's just my body. It's just what it wants to do. But on December 18th, 2019, while I was in the hospital at UAB, we got the phone call in our hospital room that they had found a match. After the surgery, I immediately felt better. I did not realize how bad I had felt until I felt good. After a week in the hospital, they discharged me on Christmas Day. My Christmas present was complete. They said I could go home. Well, I didn't go very far. They told me I had to stay in Birmingham for at least a month. And so for about a month, I stayed there in Birmingham, going back and forth to doctor visits. But eventually they said I could go home back to Chattanooga, and that was an exciting day. Another exciting day was last July when uh, the doctor said, hey, why don't you start going back to work? In the middle of a pandemic, nonetheless. Go ahead and go back to work. It's okay. So I returned to work. My job was gracious enough to hold my job for a year and a half. And they didn't have to do that. They could have let me go, but they didn't. And I praise God for that. And it was sad 
Because this past Friday, after 15 years of service, I had to tell him goodbye for one last time. This past Friday was my last day at work at Memorial Hospital. I don't know, some of you might have seen me at Memorial Hospital. I'm sorry if you did. That's not exactly the place I want to see people. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, some of you might have seen me there. Remember earlier when I mentioned that I was sending out resumes to churches? Well, there was one particular church in Newman Grove, Nebraska, called Fellowship Bible Church, that I had sent my resume out to. And I had to send them an email telling them that I would have to withdraw my resume, that I couldn't be, uh, you know, a candidate for pastorate. Of course, I told them the reason why, and, and immediately I started getting emails, not from just one person, but from several people saying, hey, listen, we're praying for you. We understand. It's going to be hard, and we're praying for you. And throughout the process, they slowly, or not slowly, but they kept up and you know, kept in touch with me. Um, but this church in the middle of nowhere, they didn't know who we were. They committed to praying for us. Now, did they hold off finding a pastor just for me? No, they found a pastor. They found a gentleman who was from California, who was pretty similar situation as I. He was a gentleman who had a full-time job. He had a full-time job, I think, with uh, NASA. And he felt the call to go into the pastorate. Nonetheless, he was an engineer. And if anybody wants to know the rest of my story, I was an engineering major at one point at UTC. And God called me out of that. And so it was kind of amazing to see the similarities between this gentleman and myself. And, but the thing is, when he got to Nebraska, he realized he's not used to allergies. And there were a lot of allergies. Matter of fact, him and his family all suffered, but he suffered the most. He was in and out of the hospital. It was pretty much, as they said, it was debilitating for him. And so he had to resign. But in the midst of all of this, Fellowship Bible kept in contact with me. And one day I got an email, and they were asking how I was doing. And, and I told them I was doing great. I felt wonderful. I'd had the transplant. It was about three months after the transplant. I felt absolutely wonderful. I couldn't have expected anything better out of the entire process. It wasn't very long after that that I got another email. And they said, would you consider going into the pastorate again. And so my ears kind of went, Tunk. of course I responded. And so here we are today, exactly where God wanted us. Meadowview Baptist, you are what love is. And in John chapter 13, John alludes to what love is. John 13 is part of the events leading up to the crucifixion of Jesus. It exposes us to Judas Iscariot's betrayal and then Peter's denial of Jesus. Yet amid this betrayal and denial is love, and Jesus shows us what love is. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this opportunity and this privilege, Lord. I thank you for where you have brought us 
But I thank you for this church. I thank you for uh, the shining example that they have been in our lives and, Lord, in the lives of this community as well. I thank you for uh, giving us your word and allowing us this opportunity to open it up, to read it, to understand it. And, Lord, help us as we do look into your word this morning to bring glory and honor to you, Lord, and to glean from it and to allow it to be an encouragement to us as well. Help me, Lord, this morning to, give, uh, to have the clarity of thought in mind, to be able to get uh, my thoughts across, Lord, that, uh, uh, that you will be glorified and, and praised and lifted on high. I thank you again for this morning, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So if you have your Bibles open to John chapter 13, uh, I'm just going to first off, uh, start off by reading verse 1. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. I'm going to stop right there. Jesus knew that his time had come to leave this world and go back home. Now this is a very simple way to put what was fixing to happen to Jesus. Because everything in between was something other than simple. Jesus was about to get beaten, put on a cross, die, come back to life, and ascend back to heaven. But notice the focus is not on that. The focus is on Christ's love for his disciples. Even Judas was in the room. We see here that Jesus immediately shows us that love is intentional. Christ chose to love them. Now there is some debate on who is being referred to here in this verse, but I think he's referring to his disciples. I mean, that's what the whole chapter is about, this conversation between him and his disciples. And, and it starts off by saying, hey, listen, he loved his own and he loved them to the end. He chose these people. You go back and you think about the, uh, about the calling on these people's life. Jesus went to them. These people were fishermen. These people were Jewish nationalists. These people were tax collector. Okay, Jesus went to them. They didn't come to Jesus. Jesus sought them out. Jesus intentionally went to where they were and found them and brought them out and said, come follow me. Jesus chose to love them and pour his life into them. See, love is to be exhibited regardless of the person. Because remember, who's in the room? Judas, the betrayer. Even Peter's in there who is going to deny him. Love is exhibited regardless of the person. Jesus chose to love them despite knowing what they were going to do. So the intentionality in Jesus' love for the disciples was not a reward for things that they had done or who they were. It was not something in lieu of a holiday. It wasn't Valentine's Day. It wasn't an anniversary. It was a choice. Knowing and understanding all the parameters involved, it was a choice. He intentionally loved them. And as we look at this, we'll see in verses 2 through 30 that love is humble. So now we see that there was a choice, and now we see that there is an action involved in that love. And so just bear with me. We're going to read a bunch of verses, okay? So verse 2, during supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, 
to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. Now, that whole thing was just a simple, a really long statement saying that Jesus got up from the supper table, okay? But he got up. He laid aside his outer garment. He took a towel and tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into, uh, water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what I'm going to do, or what I'm doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus said, or Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only then, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. Verse 12, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garment and resumed his place, he said, and he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. And truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen. But the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. And I'm telling you this now before it takes place. And when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Now imagine the disciples, they're sitting there scratching their head thinking, what is he talking about? Where is he going with all of this? He just got down, washed our feet, and now he's telling us all of these things. What? They're scratching their heads thinking, what's going on? And verse 21, it says, after saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit probably saw what was going on. They're all scratching their heads, wondering what's going on. Why is he saying these things? And so Jesus is troubled, and he finally stands up. He's like, hey, listen, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And the disciples looked at one another, uncertain to whom he spoke. And one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at the table close to Jesus. I love this scene. This is just a wonderful scene. And so Simon Peter, he's like motioning, hey, 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 you, ask Jesus of whom he is speaking. And so that disciple who was leaning back against Jesus said to him, Lord, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered and said, it's the, it is he whom I give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. And so then he dipped the morsel. He gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. And then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him and Jesus said to him, what you are going to do, do quickly. Now, no one at the table knew why he said this to him. Now, think about that. 
Jesus just got through telling the one that was reclining up against him, which was probably John, that uh, the person I'm fixing to dip and give this morsel to is the one who's going to betray me. But yet they're all scratching their heads thinking, what's going on? They just weren't understanding. They weren't getting it. And so here's what their response was. They said some thought that because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, oh, buy what we need for the feast. Or maybe he should go and give something to the poor. And so after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out and it was night. All of this to say that love is humble. We see here in these many verses the humbleness of our Lord and Savior. He exhibits love. He says, hey, love is humble. And see, washing of feet in those days, it was a Jewish custom that when you came in, you got your feet washed because you wore sandals and it was dusty and dirty. I mean, that's just what you did. It was typically done by the guest, or it was, never to, it was never done by the guest, but done to the guest. And it was typically done by a servant, maybe a slave, but not the master of the house or the head of the house. And you never saw anybody of importance washing their own feet at a guest's house. This is something Jesus should not have done It was something that was socially unacceptable. He was somebody of position. He was important. He was the teacher. He was the Lord. He was supposed to have had his feet washed by the head of the house, not the other way around. And there's a whole lot of deep imagery going on here in these verses. Jesus laid aside his position and he humbled himself. He took on the role of a servant and washed his disciples' feet. He loved them enough to do this. See, Jesus knew his position, but it did not make him any less of a person to do something that was not expected of someone in his position. Let's go a little deeper than that. Jesus stepped down from his position in heaven. He took on human flesh. He died for our sins. He rose from the grave, glorified, and resumed his position in heaven. In our own lives, it does not make us any less of a person to humble ourselves. Love is humble. It it will require us to step out of our comfort zones, to leave places of position, and to sometimes even get dirty. The humbleness of love is not limited to the type of person. Love is humble even to the person who is against you. Even Judas, who is going to betray Jesus, got his feet washed. He even benefited from that humbleness of love. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, Paul states that do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And with this thought, it leads us into this ideal or this understanding that, you know something, love is sacrificial. 
And so as you continue to read in verse 31, he says, and when, the Lord, and when he had gone out, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. And this is when he gets a little personal. He says, little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. And a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus was the example. He was the example of sacrificial love. Jesus uses himself as that basis of sacrificial love. He commands his disciples to love one another as he has loved them. And love will sometimes ask us to give up something. And Jesus gave, him, gave up his position as teacher and Lord. He humbled himself and became a servant and washed their feet. But he also gave up his position in heaven to become the sacrifice for our sin. The command to love is not anything new. You'll see it in the Old Testament, just like you'll see it here in the New Testament. But the command to love sacrificially is new. And here Jesus is ascribing a new aspect to love. You may have to give up something. You may have to sacrifice. Sacrificial love does not always involve getting, giving up your life but it is giving up something when it is all that you have and nothing else to go to. See, we oftentimes think of giving up our life because giving up our life, you know, we don't have another one to give up. And so when we think of sacrifice, you think, oh, I'm going to sacrifice my life, and that's really important, and that's really great, but you don't have another one to give. And so that's when we think of sacrifice. What about our time? It's not like I can sacrifice my time and get that back later on. Once my time has been sacrificed, it's been sacrificed. So the ultimate question is, to what extent are you willing to love? And so Jesus desires his followers to be known by their love for one another. See, high impact in a sinful world is going to require high demands. Love will, be, will need to be sacrificial. And that's what he's trying to tell his disciples. We're fixing to go out into a world that is absolutely and completely sinful. And in order for you to have an impact, there's going to be some sacrifices that's going to take place. And you know something, that sounds hard. And that brings me to the final thought, that love is hard. Love is hard. And there's two people in John chapter 13 that found out that love is hard. One person was Judas Iscariot. He betrayed Jesus. Judas, Judas was a Jewish leader who had high expectations of Jesus. He expected Jesus to march into Jerusalem and and. Uh, you know, take over leadership, throw out the old regime. And yet everything pointed to the exact opposite. This wasn't exactly the person Judas thought Jesus should be.
the episode with the washing of the feet was probably the straw that kind of broke the camel's back, so to speak. I mean, here, Jesus is washing my feet. This is not who Jesus is. Jesus is supposed to be the, the, the person marching into Jerusalem. He's supposed to be this one that's taking over, and he's not doing that. He's like doing the exact opposite. Judas could not humble himself to Jesus. He was stuck in his own selfish motivations. He had no intentions to love Jesus, no desire to humble himself before this man, and by no means was he going to sacrifice his own desires and intents to follow Jesus. And then the unlikely person was Peter. Peter, who, was going to be, who, who is going to deny him three times. In verse 36, we see that it says, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? I mean, he just got through saying in the, in the previous verses that I'm going to go somewhere and you can't follow me. And so Peter's like, well, where are you going? And Jesus answered him and he said, where I am going, you cannot follow me, but you will follow me afterward. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, truly, or he answered, will you lay down your life for me? And truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Peter had every intention to love Jesus. He was highly motivated to follow him. Peter was more, one of the more outspoken people in the group. If you wanted to have somebody who responded first, that was Peter. Peter was always quick to respond. And it must have been a shock to him when Jesus said that you will deny me three times before the rooster crows. Yet Peter, just a few chapters later, will see that he denies his association with Jesus three times, just as Jesus said he would. Maybe it was fear of the crowd or maybe it was fear of being brought before the same judgment. Whatever the motivations was, he once again spoke before he thought. How far was Peter really willing to go in order to show his love for his master? Peter had to realize his own personality needed to be sacrificed and in chapter 1, or in chapter 21, after Christ's resurrection, Jesus confronted Peter again and asked him three times, Do you love me? That conversation broke Peter. Jesus conveyed to Peter in those questions that love is intentional, and that love is humble, and that love is sacrificial. But more obvious was that love is hard. It's not going to be easy. Now, there are times when there are people that's going to be real easy to love, but that doesn't mean love is still not hard and difficult. Peter remembered back to the example that we read here in John chapter 13, that love is going to be hard. Peter realized that he was going to have to be intentional. Peter realized that, hey, I am going to have to be humble Peter said, hey, listen, I'm going to have to sacrifice. I'm going to have to put myself aside and say, hey, listen, yeah, I claim Jesus Christ. 
And as difficult as it may be, that is love. Meadowview Baptist Church, love is hard. In your, own, in your own personal lives, in marriage, work, your daily activities, and even at church, love will be hard. And it is my desire that we show love for one another. People will know that we are followers of Christ by how we show love one to another. And that through this love, the gospel will be proclaimed and lives are changed. And Meadowview Baptist Church, never stop loving. Even if it is hard, I want you to remember, love, it is intentional. Love is humble. Love is sacrificial. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving my family. Thanks for listening. It is our prayer that this message has helped you grow in your walk with Christ. Go to our website, meadowviewbaptist.com, or subscribe to hear more sermons like this, or to get more information about how to be involved at Meadowview Baptist.